There's a famous quote, the provenance of which has not been firmly established, wherein a French politician sees a crowd of people go by, and he says, there go my people, I must follow them, for I am their leader. Hello and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're talking about polling and its use in general governance. We're joined by Peter Hart, a pollster for nearly four decades who conducts the NBC Wall Street Journal polls. He's here as the Shorenstein Center's visiting Murrow Lecturer on the Practice of Press and Public Policy for the fall of 2013. Peter, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Matt. I'm delighted to be here. So polls and focus groups, they help us keep track of the horse race during elections, and that's what we mostly associate them with. But uh, they're also used to gauge popular opinion on every policy that you know comes up in, in state and federal government. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a glimpse on how that uh, that polling is used by elected officials? Sure. Uh, I mean, it is really fascinating because, of course, we all think of public opinion just in terms of election polls, who's ahead, who's behind. But behind that is really what I think is the most important element of public opinion, and that is how do you get the voice of the public into the governance uh, of, uh, of an elected official. And a lot of times we are hired by state governments, office of the governor, or by United States senators and congressmen to find out what's happening, what are people thinking, not in order to, as you alluded, follow my people, but instead to understand sort of what are the jaws of consensus. That is, how far are people willing to go? What are the things that they're willing to do? And uh, this becomes an exceptionally important part of uh, the role of public opinion. Do you find that uh, officials often go in, I mean, when they're running a campaign, obviously, uh, they're going in with specific ideas of what they want to accomplish. Do you find that they're using polls to uh, adjust that those campaign promises or trying to find a way to make those campaign promises work? Well, you bring it back to a campaign, which is, is natural, but a lot of times it is not about a campaign, but it is what does it take uh, in order to lead uh, and to provide the right kind of policies. I remember, and I'm going to go back a ways, to Governor Richard Riley in South Carolina. And he came to me and he said, look, uh, uh, our education system needs improvement. I'm interested in finding out what are the kinds of policies people are willing to endorse, what are the things that need to be explained to them, and how do you help to change attitudes? So it wasn't that he was looking to me to be able to tell him what to do. He was looking in a way to say, how do I implement what needs to be done? So there's this interesting dynamic between uh, polling and focus grouping uh, specific policies as opposed to about the specific, the officials themselves, right. you know, whether people like the officials, for instance. Uh, does one hold more weight than the other uh, when you're, you know, contracted by a governor or... Well, it depends which element we're contracted by. Obviously, if it's an elected official and they're up for re-election, 
they're going to be taking it out of campaign funds, and we're going to be looking at a lot of the personality characteristics or the head-to-head against the potential uh, candidate. But when we're hired by uh, the state office or some element within state government, we, uh, we never look at any of those things. In fact, I, I'm reminded again, I apologize for going way back, but the mayor of Boston was a person by the name of Kevin White, one of the truly great mayors. And they got a block grant from the uh, Carter administration uh, in 1977. And he said to me, I want you to come in and do a poll of the uh, 23, I think, neighborhoods in the city of Boston. And what I'm interested in is what do they believe about safety? What are they looking for in city service, et cetera? And the news of the poll leaked to uh, the Boston Globe that wrote a scathing editorial about using public money to do this. And uh, what Kevin White did is he released the poll to the Boston Globe, and they looked at it and said, what a great resource of money. It was the idea that when they saw it, they said, boy, this is a way in which you can be much more sensitive to neighborhoods and to what was going on and to understand whether it was crime or public service or education or any of the issues of the time. That's public policy and public polling at its best. At its worst is when you try and say, what's the angle for the senator or the governor or the elected official, and try and put it into political context. In policy terms, it can make a great deal of difference. In political terms, I think it's short-sighted. So in terms of the mechanics of how these are conducted, what what causes you to perhaps choose a poll over a focus group or something in between? Well, it's a great question, and each uh, serves a very different purpose. The marvelous part about a focus group is it's nothing more than a dozen people around a table making a uh, having a discussion for a couple of hours about a set of issues. And what you can learn from that is what I call the whys. What's behind this? What are people thinking? How do they play off one another as they, as they talk and think through an issue? So in many cases, you can both understand the language, but you can understand the basic dynamic that's going on. A polling project is where I get to talk to you on a one-on-one situation, and I get your point of view, and uh, and then I get uh, a cross-section of people in Cambridge or Boston and their point of view. That tends to be much more quantitative. The other is qualitative. One, I find out what you're thinking, what's up in your, uh, in your head and in your brain. Uh, the focus group gives me what's in your gut and what you're feeling. So without the kind of statistical, uh, you know, the broad reach of a poll, how do you derive the value from a focus group? How do you, you know, use that to really gauge a wide gut feeling? (laughs) Well, it's not necessarily a gut feeling, but for example, uh, I've just finished a project for NBC and the Wall Street Journal. And we actually did a, uh, a national sample. It's going to be coming out in the next few days uh, in uh, uh, early, mid-December. And we also did a single focus group uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And what we learned through the focus group was a sense of what was going through people's head. What was their sense of disappointment? What was uh, their unhappiness? How did they structure their uh, their set of arguments and ideas? And I asked a whole series of questions you'd never even think about asking. I said, well, let us suppose that Obama 
Obama's presidency were a song. What song best captures it? Well, all of a sudden, people are thinking in a very different way. And one person talked about a ring of fire. And another person talked about a hard day's night. And a third person talked about Scream from Michael Jackson. So each of these, then they would explain what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. And that gives you the kind of depth, that gives you the kind of uh, woven fabric of what's going on. A poll today will tell us that uh, the president's job rating is 42 or 43 percent approval. But... Mm -hmm. And it'll tell us that what they have problems with is sometimes his strong leadership, that he's not he's not there, that they feel that in some cases that he's changed his promises when it comes to health care, or they'll talk about the lack of administration. All of those things come into play uh, in terms of this. And the two together give you just a marvelous sense of where things are at. It seems like there's a lot of uh, subjective analysis that has to go into the to the former. If you're asking the favorite uh, songs, that kind of thing, uh, where does that break? I mean, does that ever break down? I mean, do you ever get you know neutral answers that you have trouble parsing? Well, sure. Each focus group, uh, and usually when you do a project like this, you do four, six, or eight. So it's not just a single focus group. This happens to be an exception to the rule versus the rule. But uh, but it's like anything else. Um, anybody can get the information. The question is, is the glass half empty or half full? Mm-hmm. The question is, uh, are people trying to tell you something in their own way? I can remember somebody talking to me, and again going back, about Ronald Reagan. And I said, you could ask Ronald Reagan any one question. What would you want to know? This was before he became president. And the woman said to me, I want to know if he dyes his hair. And you say to yourself, what a silly question. She could find out anything. But what she was really asking, in my estimation, what's at the roots? Is it, is it phony mm-hmm. or are you real? And right. that's what the giant. So it's the ability to try and understand that and get through there. So I can see how that might be, you know, useful for an elected official. I mean, uh, a poll recently that came out. Um, I, I, I can't remember which one it was. Uh, basically, showed that the country's trust in in President Obama has slid down after right. you know Obamacare struggles, all of these things. Uh, they were talking about how that's going to impact immigration reform. Um, how does the uh, administration take that information and actually, you know, I mean, if you're if you've started to lose trust, where do you go with that? Well, let me let's take that example. It's a good example. And in this instance, the president's uh, trust level has uh, declined. Uh, and so what does he do uh, with this? And what I would tell you is the first thing he does is instead of hunkering down, he buckles down. Hunkering down means getting into uh, your cave or getting uh, putting yourself away. He instead has has seen these numbers and he says, what I've got to show is that I'm both in charge and I'm mastering this. So he started to own health care rather than let it be out there. The second thing that I've seen is that he's gone out side and 
he's now bringing his family back in. He goes shopping with his daughter, and he goes to a bookstore in Washington, D.C. Again, availability and what's out there. Uh, the third element is I noticed today there's a new article that he's going to bring in some of the best people from the past who were in the Clinton administration to help him. And so it is a sense that he knows that what I have been doing is not good enough. So then the question is, what does he do with that information? To me, it's starting to say he's being smart about it and he's looking at it in a broad way. Now, that's his taking this information and translating it, but I think they're translating it right. Well, Peter Hart, thank you so much for being on PolicyCast. We really appreciate it. My honor, and I thank you, and happy holidays. You too. You've been listening to HKS PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. Hear more interviews at hks.harvard.edu slash policycast. And join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag policycast. Thank you.